Super Talk Mississippi media production. I'm Steve Azar, and I'm on the other side of the microphone, meaning I'm asking the questions this time, and oh, have mercy for the airwaves. I spent 20 years in Music City, wrote and made some hits, traveled the world, and then moved my family back to the birthplace of American music and where the magnolia trees prosper. And now every time I put my feet on Mississippi soil, when I'm off the road, well, I'm at peace. On this show, it's all about hearing the stories straight from the mouths of the friends I've made along the way, their journey to success. Heck, there might be someone on, I don't even know, but you know how us Mississippi types are. We tend to take well to new company. In a Mississippi minute, all 60 of them. I'm Steve Azar. It's just like that muddy river moving slow. Ain't no worries, it's how life goes, baby. In a Mississippi minute. That's right. Welcome to the Mississippi Minute. I'll be putting a constant bug in your ear. As always, many amazing things to do right here in Mississippi. Go to visitmississippi.org to find out more. All right. I'm going back to the well. It's been a few years since catching up today in front of you on this show. Not only is he one of the most prolific and important athletes of our time, he's also one of the most daring personalities, I guess is the best way to say it. He's a good friend for sure. Even more importantly, he's a giver. He supports our military, the injured, the fallen, their families. He's all in. Now with his kids having kids, it's a whole nother Uh, chapter in his life and as i've seen on instagram and tweets and posts and all that he makes it's all about them a hall of famer for the byu cougars and the man that ran the show for those 85 chicago bears at quarterback let's just say the nfl sports in general and life itself for me personally would have been very blah blah without him his documentary is in the making titled mad mac we'll dive into that And get the skinny, talk about the CTE advocacy that he has really been spearheading. He's one of the the faces of all that. And a whole lot more in the Keep Mississippi Beautiful studio. My pal, number nine, the great Jim McMahon. Hey, Mac. Good morning there, Steve-O. How's it going? I'm good, pal. I miss you. I miss you, man. It's been a long time. Yeah, this... All this crazy COVID stuff is, you know, everybody on lockdown. It's uh, hopefully we're getting to to the end of this stuff and 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 to get the truth out to the people of what's really going on. So, yeah, yeah. Hopefully, we're almost over this. We'll see what happens in the next uh, probably ten days. Yeah. No, you're right. It's been a moving target for sure, and uh, I've I've never worn. I mean, I've never worn more robes in my entire life, although I've been a robe guy, just FYI. But you don't really have to – you know, when when Gwen said the other day, when most of the laundry you do or your pajamas are like these – she calls them comfy cozies. And, you know, there's not really anything that you've dressed up. And they're always the laundry she's noticed. That means we haven't, you know, been out in a long time. For you personally, let, let's talk about that. So physically – you're as fit as I've ever seen anybody. And the last time I saw you, you look better than ever. On the outside, you're a monster. On the inside, you know, you've, you've had to deal with a whole lot, all the hits. And, you know, the world knows about, uh, you know, what you've gone through. And, and just how do you keep your mind and your body? Do they both work together? Do they trick one? Or does the body trick the mind? You being in such great shape or whatever. Um, and, and how with COVID especially, how have you had to react to this? Well, uh, I appreciate the <laughs> the 
good words about my body and my, uh, you know, I, I don't think I'm in as good a shape as I, I should be, but uh, I'm feeling a hell of a lot better. You know, I've got the, I've got my, my head problems pretty much under control. Um, at least I know now what my problem is. You know, I've got these doctors in New York that figured it out. Uh, they know I've got some blockages in my head and my neck that uh, causes my spinal fluid to back up at times. But uh, I can keep it under control. I can, you know, when I start having my headaches or my forgetfulness, I just call the doc, say, hey, I'll meet you in New York. And, and within a couple of days, I'm getting an adjustment. And uh, that lasts usually around three months. It stays in place. And uh, then as soon as I start having those problems again, I give them a call. So at least I know what my problem is. A lot of these, my colleagues that have taken their own lives, have, you know, they didn't know what was happening. I didn't. I had the same feelings. I had the same thoughts. Uh, I was sitting in my my uh, bedroom for weeks at a time, just staring up at a ceiling fan in a dark room, you know, wondering why the hell I'm I'm, I'm even doing this. And uh, but at least now, uh, like I said, I, I I know what my problem is. I can go to the doc and and get some relief. So. But other than that, uh, you know, I, I just found out I'm going to need another foot surgery. My ankle and uh, they got to shave some bone off my ankle and, and fix some ligaments that I, I messed up, I guess, the last uh, last few years. Just been getting worse and worse. And so, but other than that, uh, you know, body feels pretty good. Uh, I went down to uh, Medellin, Colombia last December and had uh, 275 million stem cells shot in my body. Both what? shoulders, both elbows, wow. both knees, and uh, they put them in my neck and also in my spine, so they went up into my brain. Wow. And so those stem cells, my body felt great this whole past year. My knees, I've had 12 knee surgeries, and oh, my knees man. felt brand new. Uh, my shoulders, my, my right shoulder especially, still still bothers me. It's still a pain. Uh, he did tell, tell me I had a tear in that shoulder. I thought I thought I was going to need surgery, but this past year my arm felt pretty good. Wow! Because of the stem cells. So here in the states, they can only use up to a million stem cells at a time because they don't they don't want you healthy here in the states. Okay. They want you to keep taking their pills, <laughs> keep coming back to the doctor. But uh, down there, they just want to, they just want to heal you, and so they use as many stem cells as they feel they need. And uh, I tell you, my body hasn't felt this good in quite a long time. Talking to Jim McMahon, my number nine, your number nine, everybody's number nine. Uh, Jim, take me back for a second to when do you find out about New York and sort of what do they do to you? I mean, you're talking about just adjust you. Is it just some chiropractic thing or is there something uh, more uh, in-depth than that? I mean, what do they do? Well, when I first uh, when they first contacted me, uh, it was right after I did the Sports Illustrated cover talking about the uh, head mm-hmm. problems. I can't remember what year that was, but uh, they, they saw the article, called me, and said, hey, come to New York. We think we know what's going on, but they can, we can help. They told me I'd have to spend a week there. So <clears throat> I flew there. They sat me down. They said, this is what we think is happening. We think you have some type of blockage in your head or your neck somewhere that's causing the spinal fluid to back up, and that's what's causing your headaches. And then sure enough, they put me in the uh, MRI, and they confirmed what they were thinking. They saw three different areas of my head and my neck that were that were causing the spinal fluid to stop flowing properly. And uh, the doctor I see is actually a chiropractor, but he's he's been studying the brain and brain injuries for the last 25 years, and he he speaks all over the world about it. And it's not a manual manipulation. 
it, it actually takes me longer to lay on the table and get in the right position. And then he uses this, this machine. It's called the image-guided atlas treatment machine. It looks like actually a drill bit. And he puts that behind oh, my God. ear, somewhere <laughs> around my neck, and he hits a button, and all I hear is a click. And I guess that click, I guess, moves the bones enough just to, just to let this stuff out. I mean, I don't know how it works. I just know that it's, it was a tremendous relief the first time they did it. Uh, within two minutes, you know, when I first saw him, I was basically a vegetable. I mean, my eyes were yellow. I was jaundiced. Uh, I was having trouble speaking. Mm. And within two minutes, I, I explained to people it this way. It felt like the toilet flushing. You know, I could just feel this stuff just leaving my brain. And uh, wow. he said that, well, I know it feels good now, but he goes, it's probably not going to last because your bones have been out of whack for probably over 20 years. And then sure enough, that night as I was in the hospital, or in the uh, hotel, my neck locked up and it was, <laughs> I was in such pain. Uh, the next morning they had to uh, actually sedate me so they could, they could do the adjustment. I, I, I couldn't lay down. I couldn't move. And he said, yeah, I told you those, those muscles would pull it back out. And they certainly did. But he goes, the longer we can keep those in place, you know, the, the better off you're going to be. So it's, it went from, you know, uh, a couple of hours the first time to maybe 10 hours the next time. Then it started, it started settling in. And now it goes for about three months before I have to have a, you know, wow. another adjustment. So wow. it's, uh, it's a pain in the butt to get on a plane and fly to New York and, and do all that. But it's, it's much better than I think having a surgery. Uh, I've had some neurosurgeons tell me I need a shunt in my, in my brain where, where they drill a hole in your brain, mm -hmm. stick nope. a tube, and then they run it down your, you know, behind your neck down into your stomach. And that's something I don't want to have to deal with. So. I'd rather do this and, and stay, uh, at least I can still function, you know, halfway decent. Yeah. I'm just going to keep doing this until we can find out something better to do. Well, all right, we're talking to Jim McMahon. Jim, Jimmy Mack, first of all, the one thing that I'm going to fear is I'm going to think there's Joe Pesci in the room. You're going to New York, which is, you know, he's got the New York thing going. Uh, second of all, that I, I, I say that because anybody that's got a drill bit next to my head, I'm, I don't know if I'm good with that. <laughs> I think I think of that Goodfellas. I mean, not the Goodfellas scene. I think of the uh, casino. Uh, is it casino thing uh, uh, scene where he's got the? Never mind. We're gonna go into a break. I'm with my pal Jim McMahon, number nine. Uh, he's gone through it, uh, but he's put a whole lot of smile on our faces, and uh, and I know he's fi finally finding his. Uh, through uh, a whole lot of medical help and beyond. You're in the Keaton, Mississippi Beautiful Studio. Go to visit Mississippi.org to find out what you're going to do this weekend. Jimmy Mack knows all about Mississippi. I have had him on our sacred soil many times. We'll be right back. In a Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. As we press down a Mississippi highway, I've got number nine, the great Jim McMahon, who is just a great guy, man. I miss him. I miss seeing him. Uh, you're in the Keep Mississippi. Yeah, I miss, I miss my group from your tournament there, kid. 
Yeah, I mean, come on. Crazy. Crazy (laughs) boys you put me with every year. I love those guys. You got your guys, Braz and Mick and Kevin. They're your guys. I think the world sees you as this happy-go-lucky, you know, you're the life of the party because you have been so many times that I've been around. How were you able to put on that face when you were going through so much pain? Because I saw you put that face on a lot, um, and I never knew you were hurting like you were hurting until it all just became out in the open. So how were you able to do it? Well, for one, I like to party. Yeah, you do. <laughs> <laughs> I like I like people to, to laugh and have a good time when I'm when I'm around them, and uh, you know I, I try not to. Uh, you know, push push whatever's going on with me to, onto other people. You know, it's, it's my problem. You know, I, I know what's going on, and I, you know, I try not to, uh, you know, be down for for other people. I mean, I, to me, I especially when I'm with our veterans. Uh, you know, I, I I have no I have no business complaining about anything after seeing some of these guys what they've gone through. So, uh, you know, that's my mindset usually. You know, when I when I end up going someplace, I'm not going to let this. You know, whatever pain it is, affect me, or try not to let it affect me. And uh, you know, that's how I go about it. You know, I just I don't want people feeling sorry for me. I mean, I did what I did because I love doing it. And you know, everybody knew they were going to be hurting when they were done. You know, I knew I was going to have bad shoulders and knees and feet and everything else. But uh, not, nobody ever mentioned anything about our brains. And that's yeah. you know, that's pretty much the most important thing in your body uh, because that that's what tells your body what to do and what and how to function and so yeah. when your brain starts messing with you and starts telling you to do things that you know you shouldn't be doing that's that's when you know you've got some serious problems and uh thank god those those doctors reached out to me because i would have never known about them yeah yeah that's that's well that's the power of somebody paying attention to if the media steps up and they put you on the cover of something again and then there it is hey let's let's talk about what you feel like has been done positively so i see all the targeting calls uh they they call them a lot now i see it you know a a whole lot especially even a defenseless player uh that doesn't even just just somebody just gets whacked you know from you know you know you remember the whole blindside thing they don't even allow that anymore so what positive have you seen that's going to make an impact on players today and what hasn't been done do you feel like well i don't watch enough to know what what i I knew that they have some some little tent that's on the sideline they have to go into when they get hurt. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I think what they're trying to do is the right thing, but I think they're – I'd hate to be a defensive player at this time of – you know, in this time of football. I mean, where do you hit a guy now? Yeah. Seems like every time they hit somebody, it's it's a penalty. Uh, you know, back when we were playing, I mean, they could take two or three steps and still whack your ass after, after you've thrown the ball. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there was no flag. So – you know, I I understand what they're trying to do, but they they cannot stop the head trauma, no matter what they do, no matter how good the helmets get, because your brain is 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 floating on the, on on fluid. There's not your brain's not attached to anything, so it's definitely going to move around. And, and when you have collisions like you have in football, there's going to be some brain trauma. And uh, I think what they're, you know what. I don't even know what the protocols are, how, how long they have to stay out or what tests they give them after they get dinged. Uh, but, you know, I know they're trying to do the right thing, but it's not going to stop the uh, the head traumas and, and, and the things that the guys are going to have to deal with later in life. And everybody knows that. And everybody, like 
people ask me, would you do it again? Yeah, I'd do it again. I would rather play baseball, but if, right. if it was football was my choice, then yeah, I, I'd do it. But I would, I would do it knowing that, uh, you know, there, there's problems. So I wouldn't have played, I, I don't know how many games I played where I don't remember because I got dinged and just kept playing. Because back then, all you, all you had to do when you came off the field and you were dinged is the, the doctor would stand in front of you can, and follow my finger. So if you can watch his finger <laughs> yeah. go back and forth, you're good. <laughs> <laughs> and you know they said, "Oh, you got a headache." It was uh, tape an aspirin to your helmet and get your ass back in there. Yeah, that, that yeah. was pretty much the game. But uh, you know they're they're really taking they're really taking it to an, an extreme now. It reminds me, Jimmy Mack, of the time when you're growing up playing football in, in high school, junior high and high school, and they uh, and they all you see is this big jug of these dark orange tablets uh you know that that there were salt blocks of salt and you don't need to drink any water or gatorade or anything just take these and it's like the opposite yeah. of everything you could possibly do <laughs> i mean it was insane you know in these two two a days in august and all that talking to jim mcmahon yeah. and uh all right let's they talk complain about, about you getting a drink of water when yeah. it's 110 degrees 100% yeah. yeah the fastest i ever ran was to the water fountain when it was time that was it <laughs> i can tell you that hey Tell me, um, baseball-wise, you know, you, do you ever look back? You just brought that up. You had, you were an incredible baseball player. It's documented. A lot of great quarterbacks, baseball players, you know, they're sort of synonymous with each other at times. Or, you know, you, you've seen some athletes, and we'll talk about Deion Sanders in a minute because he's at, he's at Sweetness' his old school at Jackson State now, so he's down the street from me right now, which is, has been a big lift just as far as morale. Uh, but with that said, do you ever look back and go – where was that pivotal moment that football was more important than baseball and that you really wanted to be a football player rather than play baseball? Well, <clears throat> baseball was always my first love. That's what I wanted to do. Uh, I thought I could have made it to the bigs. I, I was drafted out of high school, but my dad said, no, you're going to college. Uh, and so in college, I wanted to play both sports. And so all the schools that I went to on recruiting trips, I told them that. I said, look, I, I want to be able to play baseball. And I went back to Nebraska, Oklahoma State. Uh, I went up to Boise because I'd never been to Idaho. I went over the Utah schools. The only two schools that said I could play both sports was Brigham Young and Nevada, Las Vegas. And Las Vegas was happened to be my last recruiting trip because back then you could take as many trips as you wanted. And I got tired after about 10. I said, all right, I'm done. I figured it out because when I came back from Vegas, I said, Pops, I'm going to Vegas. <laughs> I had a, had a great time. Uh, they offered me, hell, they offered me a house, car, money, easy job at the casino. Wow. Hell, who knows? I, I could end up being Steve Wynn or <laughs> knowing me, probably, probably in trouble from strippers. But anyway, so I ended up, uh, I came home and said, Pops, I'm going to Vegas. And he said, no, son, you're not. It's not a big enough school. I thought he was worried about me, you know, making it to the next level. And I said, look, I, I'm going to make it. I, I know I'm good enough to make it to the next level, but I, I want to have fun in college, too. And I said, Vegas sounds like a lot better deal than yeah, Provo. No, no I, your dad's and a smart so, man. <laughs> and so uh, he said, he just, he, he wouldn't let me go to Vegas. And that's how <laughs> I ended up at BYU. And I did get to play uh, my freshman year. I played about 10 games of baseball. But they didn't tell me I couldn't get out of spring football practice. So mm. I would play a game of a doubleheader in baseball, and I was playing in the outfield. And throwing the ball from the outfield is a hell of a lot different than throwing the football from the pocket. So, uh, And I started having some arm problems. My arm was originally hurting, and uh, my sophomore year in high school was dislocated. And mm. so over the years, it just got worse and worse and worse. And so uh, 
I had to make a decision my freshman year because you know my arm was bothering me. I couldn't really throw the ball at, at football practice when I had just come from baseball. So I had to make that decision. And, and being that uh, football was my scholarship, I had to I had to stick with that. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. I would have loved to loved to been able to to play my whole career as a baseball player. Who knows? I, I know I wouldn't be feeling this damn bad as far no, as my I know, I know, had I, know. I had I done that. I'm thinking your feet problems are, are the fact that you do play golf. Now I know you're on nice. You do play barefoot, and the world knows, and I know, and you're actually extremely. Uh, you, you do it very well, just FYI. But while you're doing it. Uh, I think that sometimes you probably step on some rocks or you step on, you know, it's not always the fairway where you're at. I've seen, oh, you know well, what I'm saying? I've seen a you. a lot of things. I've seen you in, in the Arizona, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of sharp things out here in Arizona. <laughs> hey, we don't hit it like Grant Fuhrer. He's boring. I told him, I said, you're so boring. He just made his, uh, his six hole in one I saw the other day. Yeah, he remi- I, I saw uh, that. Yeah. He reminds me of Del Greco. You have one. you got a bunch too, haven't you? I've got seven. 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 And the last the last one was with you. Before I'm gone. The last one was with you. Well, you were in front of us when I made the one on the par four, but who cares about that? All I know is I got yeah. out of there without a, a drink tab, thanks to uh, Tim Fox. <laughs> uh, Mac, you know, we're, we are the birthplace of American music, and you get to play DJ during this segment in the Keep Mississippi Beautiful studio, where so many people, if you go to visit Mississippi.org, you'll know this. Mac, would you like to hear... And know this and their story, the history behind so many greats. Would you like to hear Jimmy Buffett or B.B. King into the break? I like B.B. King, I think. You got it. With Jim McMahon, number nine. We're talking football, life, concussions. I want to get into his love uh, for our military a little deeper in the next segment. You're in the Keep Mississippi Beautiful studio. I'm Steve Azar. We'll be right back. Seventy-five years, Guarantee Bank has been committed to meeting the financial needs of their customers and communities. Even during this challenging time, that commitment remains the same. They're always there to serve your everyday banking needs, answer your questions, offer support, and get through this together. Guarantee Bank, member FDIC. In a Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Man, I have such a good time in the Keep Mississippi Beautiful studio. Visit Mississippi.org, folks, please. I know I'll drive you crazy, but I'm going to continue to because there's so many incredible things that's right in front of you that you may not just never have realized. Uh, it took me 20 years to go to leave and come back, and it just sit there and knock me out because so much history and culture. Check it out. We're with number nine, the legendary Jim McMahon, and I've seen him legendary in thongs. I just, I, I'm just tell you what. I, here's the deal. 
<laughs> Here's the deal. I, I have to admit it because you can't help it. I'll never forget. I'm thinking that here comes Bo Derek out of the water. You know, you're a kid and you see, you know, that, that ultimate shot when she's 10. And then here you are coming out of the water, your hands in your hair and all that. And everybody's going, don't look, don't look. And you've got the nude thong on, which you might as well have nothing on. And we're all going like, and you know, you can't help but look because you look. It's what happens. And we're going, gosh, oh, he got us. He got us. Are you still cutting grass in your thong, or do you, do you have you gotten rid of the thongs? Have you have you got like briefs now? What's going on? No, no, I still I still sport the thong when I got when I got to get a little sun. I mean, I, I don't I don't think a really pasty white booty is not all that sexy. So I like to have a little color on it. <laughs> you crack me up. All right, we won't go any but, further. Uh, yeah, I, I I enjoy getting a little sun with that. People, when I go down to Mexico in my timeshare, they. They kind of clear out the pool when I show up. I don't care. I get I get my son. Yeah, I know you do. I know you don't care, and I know you get your son. All right, let's talk about. Uh, I, I want to dig into the the grandfather now. I, I see you making posts. And I I've never seen you just so proud. You know, you've never been one to uh, lift yourself up. Never, never. You've always been so honorable and humble when it comes to. You just almost like don't care about what you accomplished. Which is sort of just the it, it it's impressive, you know what I'm saying? Like, don't it's never look at me, look at me, look at me. Have fun with me if you want to, but seeing you celebrate the next generation of McMahon's, right? Uh, how's that been? And what's it been like during this time with COVID and stuff of separation? Well, it's I haven't got to see uh, my grandkids all that often. Um, I've got one here. He just turned one in October, uh, my oldest daughter's son, and I've yet to, to be able to pick him up and hug him and give him a kiss and because he's still freaked out about the COVID, and I still travel quite a bit. So yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to that day where I, I can give him a big hug. Yeah. But uh, the other grandkids, I've got two in uh, California, and I've got two now in uh, yeah. Chicago, and I haven't got to... Haven't got to spend a lot of time with them, but when we do, it's it's a lot of fun. And all the posting and stuff like that. My son Zach, he takes care of all my social media. So whatever you Zach. see on that is, is what he's he's laying out there. I don't I don't even know how to get on it. <laughs> hey, Zach was with us and when if, we went. If I, if I was the one on it, I'd probably get booted off too. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Zach was the one that uh, the the son that we went to Green Bay when I was doing the Monday night anthem. And we just got yep. through filming Catfish Christmas. We stopped at your house. I'll never forget seeing the kiosk of sunglasses rather than like a flower arrangement on your kitchen table. And then also <laughs> the, the gym the gym overlooking. You know, the your gym was insane. The basketball court, you know, all that. Did y'all build yeah, that I had house? the racquetball court. Yeah. Yeah. I, we, we built that one from the ground up, and that's, that's the only thing I wanted. I wanted a racquetball court and a, a little workout room with a steam room and and that so the downstairs is basically mine, which is nice. But yeah. it, it it was nice to be able to you know people that were up in the kitchen, the living room could look down and see us, you know, doing whatever we were doing. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, for for uh, folks that just think you're wearing sunglasses because you're cool, there's other reasons. You know, you tell me every once in a while, but it may have been after a couple cocktails. So tell me now, because I'm having coffee. Well, this all started when I was six years old. I was playing. Uh, after school one day playing cowboys and indians with my brothers uh we didn't have xbox and all that stuff so 
And so this particular day, obviously I was a cowboy because I had a gun holster taped to my or, <laughs> or tied to my leg. And when we got finished playing, I could not get that damn knot out of the out of the gun holster. I sat there and messed with it, messed with it, couldn't get it out. So I, I went into the kitchen and I got a fork. I came back, sat down in the living room and started messing with that knot. And I had the fork kind of in the knot and I was yanking, yanking, yanking. And all of a sudden it, it came free. And that proves the hand's quicker than the eye because the, the knife or the, uh, the fork, two prongs went dead center in my eye and oh. ended up... Oh. And I oh. kind of it went sideways, so I kind of not only punctured it, I kind of shredded the eye a little bit. Oh. <clears throat> and uh, I mean, it hurt like hell, but I was I was kind of shocked and scared of, uh, initially. Mm-hmm. And uh, I got up right away, went in and washed the fork, so I wouldn't get my butt kicked from oh, messing come up on. the fork. Come on, you and did I not sat do down that. And I, yeah, I was six years old, man. I was going to mess. With, I didn't want to mess up mom's kitchen, so. I sat back down in the living room and I was whimpering and crying. And, and after a while, she finally said, "What? What the hell are you crying about?" <laughs> and I, I wouldn't tell her at first, and I finally did, and she freaked out, of course, like all mothers would. And at the time, my dad was at work. <clears throat> we only had one car. I have five other siblings, so my mom was home with us five. And uh, and uh, she goes, "You're going to be okay until your dad gets home." And I thought, well, you know, I've been sitting there for an hour or so already. I think I'll be all right. And you've cleaned the kitchen. And so, <laughs> yeah, I cleaned the fork cleaned off. Cleaned the fork off. And so when my dad finally got home, because <clears throat> she called him right away, and he, he just couldn't leave work. I think he was he was working two or three jobs at the time. And uh, we finally got home that night, and he took me right to the hospital. And they wanted to operate right away because they, they saw the damage. And he said, you know, I had, had just eaten something before I got to the hospital, and so they couldn't. They operate. didn't want to pump a six-year-old stomach to do a surgery, so I waited till the morning. Mm. And so uh, my dad, the rest of the night, was just talking to the doctor. Said, "Hey, just you know, please save his eye. He he didn't want me to have a glass eye as you know, as a six-year-old kid. So that this was 1965. So this guy, mm. this doctor, did a hell of a job just to save my eyeball. Yeah. Uh, I've never really seen out of it. I don't." Uh, Really? You know, if you close my left eye, I couldn't I couldn't walk around the room. But uh, <clears throat> I was able to since I was six, and I I grew up with it. That's how I learned to play sports. You know, I was always uh, I couldn't see that well, but I knew playing football. I, all I had to do was count the white lines. Every five yards is a white line. So <clears throat> that's how I figured out how, where people were. Unbelievable. And I said, I said, you better you better, you better be, be where there. you're supposed to be because I ain't going to see you. <laughs> Unbelievable. So when you're looking down at the golf ball, I mean, I, you know, you can always close one eye and close the other one. You sort of see a different perspective. The ball moves. So where do you see when you're looking? Where is it? Where do you put it? Or does well, it? Well, that's that's my biggest problem with golf is is my depth perception and my <clears throat> my alignment. Sometimes I, I get off alignment because you know when you're standing sideways and looking down at the fairway, you know, you get a different view. And so uh, that's that, that's been a struggle, especially putting. Putting is is the worst because you know you you know how you you get behind the ball and you line up your mm-hmm. line to, to to your target. So when I do that, it looks fine. But then when I get over the ball, it's my left eye that takes over, and my left eye is telling me, "Man, you're way off target." Yeah. And so I never trust the putt, and that's why I don't make it all a lot of. But, uh, <laughs> you're still a heck of a putt. Nowadays, man. I just have my caddy line it up. I don't even look at it. I just, <laughs> I just line where you want it. If it is, then I'll hit it. But, but, but that's how I play. 
<laughs> wow, man, that's crazy. So you've never gone in such detail because maybe no, you know, maybe it, we've never given you the opportunity, but you just did it on a Mississippi Minute. Um, that is insane, and it just sort sort of shows your toughness um, and your fear of your mom and dad <laughs> uh, back when you were growing up. I had fear, man. I, more of my mom, man. And when my dad got upset, it was like a very rare moment. But when my my mom, you know, she she kept me in in her own version of timeout. Be hot sauce on the tongue. It would be, you know what I mean. That's why I love hot sauce so much because it was punishment. You know, it was like. But uh, I don't that, know how much shaving cream and soap I had in my mouth. <laughs> I, I don't eat those still. Hey, don't get me started about the nuns that raised us. I mean, like, I mean, it was like I remember being in a circle one time, and I ended up becoming friends, you know, later as I was able to talk to them. You know, you were just so scared growing up, and they were Irish nuns, which means they, you know, they like to fight a little bit. So, um, so they, uh, I, I've got, I, I had had myself they probably in the had a little sauce. Yeah, they did. We're talking to Jim McManion in the Keep Mississippi Beautiful studio. This interview has obviously gone sideways, which is supposed to in the Keep Mississippi Beautiful studio when you have my beautiful pal, number nine, Jim McMahon. Go to visit Mississippi.org, folks. So many cool things to do that's right in front of you. We're going to be right back and finish up. I'm Steve Azar. Folks, Steve Azar here. My friends at Guarantee Bank are setting the standard in banking. Guarantee Bank is committed to excellence in financial services and their delivery to strengthen the communities they serve and help improve the quality of life for those all-important areas. So make your reservation today. Their doors are open. Just schedule your appointment and reserve your spot prior to visiting them at gbtonline.com. The entire team of Guarantee Bank are committed to serving you and keeping you and their staff safe during these unprecedented times. Guarantee Bank, member FDIC. In a Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Driving this 75 Cadillac. Such a sad, sad moment. We need to keep Mississippi Beautiful Studio, and you've got to know that your time with Jim McMahon is done. Go to visit Mississippi.org. Folks, so many great things right here, man. I'm telling you, blues trails, country trail marker, just follow them. I mean, you're going to end up in Liverpool in the blues trail, but that's all right. That's cool. Uh, I'm with number nine, Jim McMahon. Now, let's finish up talking about what's so dear to your heart, and have you been able to travel and do anything uh, as far as just your work with with our troops and our injured, our warriors, you know what what's what's gone south this year because of COVID and not allowed you to. Because you think about these bright moments that they need. I mean, we've seen it. We've seen it when they you put the smiles on their faces when we do these events and they get out on the golf course and and you really lift them up in in places, uh, uh, in in events. You know what I mean? That uh, and they 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 play such an important role and they're you know. I was thinking about uh, in Tulsa, 
when we do uh, Major Dan Rooney's event, right? Such a great event. Your events, I've always been focused around our veterans and our soldiers. So what's been going on for you this year in regard to them? Well, unfortunately, a lot of things were canceled, you know, this past year. <clears throat> I haven't got to see my buddies a hell, hell of a lot this year. But uh, I, I did go back to uh, Virginia and did a did an event with a, my Navy SEAL buddies. Uh, I was out in San Diego, David Wells' event. It was also for the Navy SEALs. Uh, yeah, I get to I get to talk to them and, and uh, not really see them in person much, but uh, I, I still keep up with a lot of guys on the phone. Uh, through the holidays and stuff like that. Had a couple guys that were actually traveling through Arizona and that, that just stopped off and stayed the night with me. Had a couple guys do that. But, yeah, I just, uh, I've always uh, enjoyed being around these guys. Uh, you know, they're the 1% of the population that, that protects the other 99%. Mm -hmm. And why, why these guys get a bad rap is, is, is beyond me. I mean, they, these guys put their lives on the line for us for the way that we live and uh, why they take any heat is, is beyond me. You know, Mac, I, uh, <clears throat> it hit me when I visited Walter Reed for the first time, right? And you're, you walk in there and you're going in there and it's, and you're seeing a, a kid, kid. And they've got, the one kid didn't have any arms or legs. I mean, it was, it was I just didn't understand how he was alive. And he's smiling, right. and he's and he's doing this, and then his, then you see another one getting wheeled out by his his wife, who has a new baby in her, uh, you know, in her pouch. She's holding the baby, she's wheeling them out, and they're they're not twenty years old, you know. And then you're going like, it just when I got back on the bus, I mean, I was just, it was awful the feeling, you know what I mean? Like I was going like I've never seen anything like this. So you're right. That's why I can never complain never complain about something hurting when I'm around yeah, these guys. Yeah. I mean, what they've gone through. I mean, I was talking to one guy who literally half his head was missing. Mm, mm, the mm. back half of his head was gone. Mm. And he was still talking to me. Yeah. I was like, dude, how, how are you even sitting here? Yeah. But th those are the kind of amazing things that are, you know, our, our doctors are doing for our veterans. Right. It's, uh, it's amazing. You know, I was I was very fortunate. I got to go to Iraq. Uh, Kevin Butler, our kicker, was with me as well. There was five of us that traveled to Iraq. Uh, I can't remember the year. It was the year they hung Saddam Hussein. Uh, we were actually there in country when they hung him. And uh, they wouldn't let us go to the hanging, but we were pretty close. Uh, wow. But we, we, we were there for six days. So we traveled to about 12 different bases. And just just to see what these guys actually go through in wartime was was amazing, and to be a part of that was that's one of the highlights of my life so far, and just to uh, just to be right there in the middle of it with these guys. I mean, the the, the scariest part of that whole trip was uh, the afternoon they hung Saddam in the morning, and that afternoon we were supposed to go to Baghdad, and so we were we were hovering outside the city just waiting for clearance. And all you can see is fires and, and, and mortars going off. And, and I'm talking to the guy, one of the guys, I said, hey, where are we going? He says, right in the middle of that stuff. And I'm like, why? <laughs> he says, that's, that's where the base is. So, I mean, we, we, we hovered there for a few minutes and then got clearance to land. And then, then as soon as we land, as soon as you land, you got about 25 Marines that guard you. You've got your helmet, your Kevlar on. You always had to keep that on the whole time. 
but it was just uh, to see what we do in in, in real wartime time was amazing. It was it was uh, and like I said, something I'll never forget. Been to Keep Mississippi Beautiful Studio. I've been with my dear friend Jim McMahon, uh, and I, I don't use that term loosely. He's a pal. Hey, brother, always a pleasure. I look forward to seeing you and Gwen and the crazies, the rest of the crazies down there in Mississippi. I look forward to coming yeah. back. Mac, I love you, pal. Uh, no be- problem, brother. Anytime you need me, just give me a holler. You're the best. I'll talk soon. There's Jimmy Mack, number nine, Mad Mac coming out. We'll talk soon. All right, brother. I'm Steve Azar. In a Mississippi Minute, all 60 of them, where you can take your sweet time. I'm still trying to find my way. Hey folks, Steve Azar here. My friends at Guarantee Bank are setting the standard in banking. Guarantee Bank is committed to excellence in financial services and their delivery to strengthen the communities they serve and help improve the quality of life for those all-important areas. So make your reservation today. Their doors are open. Just schedule your appointment and reserve your spot prior to visiting them at gbtonline.com. The entire team of Guarantee Bank are committed to serving you and keeping you and their staff safe during these unprecedented times. Guarantee Bank, member FDIC. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.